Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly Reefer Radio Rebellion Against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest. In its 25th year, found at HempFest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle HempFest from AHA Publishing, also found at HempFest.org. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren and an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on HempPresent is Keith Strop, the founder of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, who will join me within a minute or so. As an old psychoactive saddle tramp who grew up in the late 1960s, cannabis has been an integral part of my counterculture life since I was a young teenager. When I started smoking ganja in 1970, it went for $10 for a lid, and that was a baggie of weed that was measured on the street in fingers. A two-finger lid was fairly average. A four-finger lid was fairly fat. Once you procured your herb, you needed to go through the universal ritual of cleaning the stems, or lumber as they were called, and the seeds out. Most people had a shoebox lid or an album cover that they would use to clean the seeds out of the buds after the buds were broken up. I recall having more seeds than I knew what to do with, and sometimes we went around like Johnny Appleseed, tossing them everywhere. I even recall tossing them in the, uh, into the uh, gardening areas of the police department and my high school. If you toked back then, you were automatically an honorary member of a very elite secret society, a ragtag clandestine subculture consisting of anti-authoritarians, thrill-seekers, deep thinkers, and granted, a lot of others. It was thrilling if you could find a co-worker or a neighbor who smoked pot because you shared a special secret interest. Well, that secret is definitely out. Cannabis is shaping up to be a global megatrend as legalization has become a grass fire in the wind. And legitimate industry and pot-generated economies are being forged in bold defiance of federal law. Pot has gone mainstream, finally. But back in 1970, it was hard to convince anyone that cannabis could ever become a legal commodity in the United States to be sold over-the-counter like beer or cigarettes. But there were some who had the vision. That same year, 
After meeting the consumer advocate and political candidate Ralph Nader, a young Illinois-based attorney named Keith Strop believed strongly that legalization could happen. Strop envisioned an organization that addressed the rights of cannabis users the same way that other consumer interest groups advocated for other more mainstream consumer-related issues. In 1970, using $5,000 in seed money from the Playboy Foundation, Strop founded the National Organization for the Reform Marijuana Laws, or NORML, which has grown to be one of the primary cannabis advocacy organizations in the world, with national and regional branches or chapters in many places all over the world. NORML's current mission statement, adopted by the NORML Board of Directors June 29, 2013, is to move public opinion sufficiently to legalize the responsible use of marijuana by adults and to serve as an advocate for consumers to assure they have access to high-quality marijuana that is safe, convenient, and affordable. Norma's founder, Keith Strop, spent many years as the organization's executive director, and Keith currently serves as legal counsel for the group, and I'm honored to have him with me today. Welcome, Keith, to him present on Cannabis Radio. Thank you, Vivian. It's great to be with you, friend. I usually start by asking folks how they were initially introduced to the herb. How did cannabis enter your life, and when did you realize that it would probably define it to some degree? Well, um, I first smoked when I was a freshman at Georgetown Law School. I started later in life than a lot of my than a lot of marijuana smokers certainly. So I was it was 1965. I was a freshman at Georgetown Law School. And one weekend, along with a couple of friends, I went up to a local ski resort north of D.C. And one of the folk, fellows who had come with me brought a couple of joints. Um, the first night when we got off the, the slopes, we went to our room and, and tried that joint. But we weren't sure we were getting high or not. Now, later, when I look back on it, I realized we were because... We did a lot of giggling, and we ordered several pizzas, and you know that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, like most new smokers, uh, it mainly uh, mainly I could tell the difference in my appetite pretty quickly. Um, and then the second night, we couldn't wait. Our second day, we were up there. We couldn't wait to get off the slopes to try that second joint he had brought. So um, I knew almost immediately that it was something I enjoyed doing. I had no idea, of course, at that point. Uh, that it was going to have anything to do with what I did professionally with my law degree. So um, it wasn't until uh, the Vietnam War, and in particular the uh, the draft that all of us were facing. Uh, again, I graduated law school in 1968, and it was right at the height of the Vietnam War and the anti-Vietnam War protests. And so um, I was part of a whole generation uh, of students, especially a lot of law students, who were radicalized by the war. Back then, they didn't even have lottery. If you're 18 years or older, you were automatically drafted unless you were a full-time student. So obviously, the first thing we all did was stay in school as long as possible. But unfortunately, by the time I graduated law school, I was uh, 27 years old, and you were still eligible for the draft until you were 29. So I still had two years to worry about it, and indeed uh, it was uh, inducted. At least I got my draft notice, had to take my physical, and was two weeks away from being inducted. When, with the help of some good lawyers from the National Lawyers Guild, I managed to get what was called a critical skills deferment, uh, kind of a bullshit thing where if you were uh, lucky enough and had legal help, etc., you could get an excuse where you could stay in work in the in the United States, and supposedly the work you were doing was so important that they didn't want to take you away from that to send you to Vietnam. 
at any event, uh, the, the ultimate outcome was this. It turns out, once you began to oppose the war in Vietnam and go to the anti-war demonstration, uh, there were there were incredible numbers of people openly smoking marijuana at those demonstrations. And even if you weren't a marijuana smoker, um, some of those demonstrations had a half million people up to 800,000. Uh, if people just handed you a joint and if you wanted to smoke it, you took it and passed it on. If you didn't, you just passed it on. But everybody recognized that the act of smoking marijuana was a version of civil disobedience. We were angry about the war in Vietnam. We were angry about the draft. And we realized there were a lot of other things we also didn't like about our government at that point. And one of them was marijuana prohibition. So that's a long way for me to get to the final point. But by the time I turned 29, um, I managed, I was too old to be drafted. And so at that point, I realized I then introduced the public interest law I had worked around Ralph Nader and worked for a presidential commission called the National Commission on Product Safety. So I realized that uh, instead of representing private clients, I really used my law degree to try to impact public policy, but the public policy that was most important to me by that point was legalizing marijuana. It's hard to believe that we've come so far so fast, Keith. What surprised you the most? Uh, any be careful what you wish for moments or anything that's gone radically different from what you expected? No, I would say this. Um, I, I think that it requires a lot of naivete and idealism to take on an institution as powerful and as uh, ingrained as marijuana prohibition. Uh, if I would have been older and wiser, I doubt that I would have had the nerve to to start normal and to even think that we might somehow begin to, to knock down the walls of prohibition. Uh, but what I will also point out is that when we started, Gallup Poll had just done their first survey asking the American public how many people favored marijuana legalization. It's interesting, but prior to that time, they didn't even think the issue was important enough to ask. So the very first Gallup poll was in 1969, the year before we started normal. And at that point, only 12 American public favored legalization. 88% of the public were opposed to what we were setting out to try to accomplish. So uh, obviously, it took a lot longer than we expected. You know, we thought at the time, maybe 10 or 12 years would be sufficient and we could end prohibition. Uh, That was 45 years ago that we thought that. And, of course, we're still not nearly uh, finished with ending prohibition. We've got a hell of a start. But of the 45 years normal has been working on this issue, we've made more political progress in the last five than in the first 40. So I suppose if there's a lesson to be learned, it is that you better be patient and you <laughs> better be pretty focused because uh, political change occurs generally pretty slowly in a country as large as ours. Yeah, it moves more in generations than years. <laughs> the the acronym... Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> the, we have about a minute left of the first break. The acronym NORMAL works really well as NORMALIZE is the power word for legalization. How psyched were you when you identified that, and did it just spell out by osmosis, or did you plan it that way? And we got about a minute. Oh, no, uh, we planned it that way. When we first began to meet as our... our board of directors in late 1970. We were playing with all sorts of names, but 
at some point we we came up with normal as a possibility and it sort of it was like a bell going off in in my head and i think in the other people's heads as well it just seemed like it 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 uh, confirmed what it was that we were trying to accomplish we wanted to normalize the responsible use of marijuana by adults i am speaking to the founder of the national organization for the reform marijuana laws keith strop as we do here on Him Present, we're going to take our first pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws. Hear word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come back with our best questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us Him Present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannovation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. SeedToSaleShow.com or 888-409-4418. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Keith Strop. Keith, it's stunning and surreal for me to see how the public perception of cannabis has transformed in the last 10 years. 63% of respondents age 18 or older endorsed legalization in this year's American Value Survey, a 30% increase in just three years. We've just really come so far, but now we begin the Donald Trump administration. Do you have any idea 
on what the hell's going to happen now? Any predictions or fears? Well, well, I have a lot of fears, and I suspect that uh, most progressive uh, people in this country do have do share a lot of fears, not just about marijuana policy, but of course about a lot of other things that Donald Trump uh, bragged about and spoke about during the course of his offensive campaign. Um, but I will say this. Um, I, I'm not ready to put my head under a pillow and just go to sleep for four years. I think what this means is it is time for those of us who care about p- specific policy issues, and in this case, obviously, we're talking about legalizing marijuana. It is time for us to be engaged and to be focused. Normal just this very day, in fact, uh, put out a, a major release urging people to oppose the nomination of Jeff Sessions as attorney general. I certainly don't have to tell you, I'm sure, that he <laughs> said some of the most offensive things about marijuana you can imagine. You know, a few years ago, he he said that he used to like the Ku Klux Klan until he found out that they enjoyed smoking marijuana. Can you imagine? And uh, more recently, this just a few weeks ago, uh, he made the statement that good people do not smoke marijuana. So, I mean, clearly this man is, is 50 years out of touch. And as attorney general, if, if he were allowed to do what he would want to do by Donald Trump, and that's the big question, we don't know if he will be, but uh, during the campaign, Donald Trump indicated he thought that marijuana policy should remain a state's rights issue. And that's all we need from him. Just leave us alone, go about whatever else you're going to do, but leave the marijuana policy to the states. But if Jeff Sessions wanted to, almost without question, he could go into federal court and seek an injunction shutting down the commercial cultivation and sale of marijuana in all 29 of the medical use states, as well as in the eight full legalization states. A state has no obligation to mimic federal law. Therefore, there's nothing the Trump administration or Jeff Sessions could do to force the state of Colorado, for example, or Washington or Oregon or wherever, to recriminalize marijuana. No, they they have no obligation to mimic the federal government. But what happens is where you have state and federal laws that are considered by the Supreme Court in positive conflict, is the language used, then the supremacy clause of the Constitution kicks in and the federal law overrules the state law. So again, if they chose to shoot to uh, shut down the uh, commercial regulation of marijuana in these states, that is the licensing of commercial growers and sellers, they could almost certainly do that legally, but they would be left with a situation in which there was no law against the possession of sm- or use of small amounts of marijuana, You'd have an incredible demand for marijuana that's been built up over these past few years, and you'd, well, you'd have, have no quite a black supply. You'd have the black market. Uh, should they make pot illegal? I mean, my God, there'd be a black market like we've never seen. Because <laughs> imagine uh, what well, the infrastructure. So some of Keith, some have been thinking the Trump administration might seek a change to Schedule Two, marketing the move as compassionately legalizing medical marijuana, while actually handing the entire paradigm over to the pharmaceutical industry. Valid concern? It's a, it is a valid concern. It's been a concern of ours at Normal for some time. We have always feared that those who uh, focus specifically on the medical use of marijuana may inadvertently be lured into a trap. And that is, um, once 
uh, a pharmaceutical company offers a version of marijuana, and as you know, there are two or three out there right now that have been approved for several European countries, not yet here, but like Sadafex, for example, if they offer a pharmaceutical version of marijuana that is effective as a medicine, I seriously doubt that a, another state will ever legalize whole smoked marijuana. In other words, they companies can't uh, can't get a patent on whole smoked marijuana. It's a natural plant, but they can patent uh, the ingredients as they rearrange them and sell them as a pharmaceutical. So, uh, what I fear is that medical marijuana continue to exist, but it'll be in a pill form, and you'll you'll pay a fortune to buy it from a pharmaceutical company. Speaking of medical marijuana, it seems that the, the better recreational weed does, the worse medical marijuana does in those states. What's Normal's position on medical marijuana? Is it an important issue? Or is it a distraction to getting recreational cannabis available to every adult in every state, or is it much more complicated than that? Well, I think it's important because um, politically, uh, it helps a lot of older Americans who live through the reefer madness era and who have a hard time accepting the fact that Marijuana could be a, a positive drug. What medical marijuana does, in addition, of course, it helps tens of thousands of seriously ill patients around the country. But in terms of the politics of the issue, uh, for a lot of Americans, going from prohibition to legalization is simply too big a step to take at one time. But by starting off with medical marijuana over a period of two or three or four years, they become familiar with the fact that it really is an enormously helpful drug to a lot of seriously ill patients. And once they see that, then it's difficult for them to justify why it should be treated as a dangerous drug for the rest of us. So I think for the next few years, we will continue to go in incremental steps. We'll go state by state from prohibition to medical use to decriminalization, and then finally to full legalization. I think within a few years, we should have the political support to begin to go all the way from prohibition to legalization in one step. And frankly, if you have full legalization, in my mind, you don't need a separate system for medical marijuana. Um, if mar It's the same marijuana. So if, if a patient can walk in a store and buy it, why don't we just cut the pot dock out of the deal? So eventually, I think we don't need medical marijuana except for minors, you know, things like Tourette syndrome for young children. But uh, in, for the foreseeable future, medical marijuana will be a necessary political step on the road to full legalization. You, you mentioned full legalization. What is winning in the struggle to legalize? When will we know we have won, in your opinion? But I think winning is when responsible marijuana smokers are treated fairly, period, in all, in all aspects of their lives. For example, even in the eight states where we have now legalized marijuana, only four of which have been fully implemented, but the others will be hopefully over the coming year, uh, in most of those, you can still be fired from your job for testing positive for THC without any showing that you've shown up at work in an impaired condition. Similarly, if you're a parent of a young child, you may find yourself having to fight the child welfare services to maintain custody of your child simply because a nosy neighbor smelled marijuana and reported you to the child welfare agency. And obviously that's stupid and counterproductive and harmful. Uh, the same with DUID. In a number of states, you can be charged and convicted with driving under the influence of drugs 
without the slightest showing that you were driving while impaired. It's simply by showing that you had a certain level of THC in your blood system. So we've still got a great deal of work to do, even in the states that have legalized, before responsible marijuana smokers are treated fairly. And until we reach that point, uh, we have not reached the end goal. We are uh, approaching the break. The contributions that you've made to the high-profile and media focus on cannabis just can't be overstated, Keith. Uh, Normal has chapters all over the world. It's the green piece of pot. I assume you still have many miles on your tread. But what would you like your legacy to be? What do you most wish to be known for? Well, I, I think you, you sort of described it there. Um, I would like for people to, to know, uh, you know, looking back in a few years, that the reason it is now, or at, at that point, the reason hopefully it will be uh, absolutely okay to smoke marijuana if you do it responsibly is because a lot of people over the last four or five decades had the courage to come out of the closet to try to overcome the negative stereotype of marijuana smokers. And that's really what Normal's contribution has been. We have said from the beginning that we don't talk about other people who smoke marijuana. We talk about those of us who smoke marijuana. <laughs> we have insisted on being out front about our own marijuana use for that very reason. And I certainly, uh, I'm one of those we. <laughs> we are talking to Keith Strop. <laughs> Keith Strop from Normal. We're going to take our next break here. We're from our sponsors and come back with our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's eqio.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SandSalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should 
should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back for the final uh, moments with Keith Strop, the executive director, or excuse me, the founder and former executive director of Normal. Uh, Keith, uh, what's on Normal's radar right now? Uh, this is a fascinating time for uh, organizations like like both of ours. Um, what are you guys working on, and, and where can people find out more? Well, in the short run, of course, like a lot of people, we're focused on the confirmation of the various cabinet members under the incoming new president because there are several of those people uh, who may have an enormous impact on marijuana policy nationwide. But beyond that, and with a little bit of a longer view, Uh, We're going to continue our state-based policy. We do work in Congress, of course, and every year in Congress, we pick up a few new supporters, and like because we picked up four new states with legalization in November, you know, a number of the members of Congress in those states now are going to have to reconsider their position on marijuana, and some of them are going to come out on our side. So we're going to continue to try to uh, move Congress towards the point of getting out of the way altogether and letting the states do what they want. But realistically, we're not going to have enough support in Congress to win that for another three or four years at least. So the progress will be mainly on the state level. And I would love to see if we could double the number of states that have legalized marijuana over the next four years. I'd love to have the first one or two state legislatures approve full legalization. Up to this point, we've we've benefited from full legalization only by using voter initiative. But only half the states have the option of a voter initiative. So it's terribly important that we crack through that that glass ceiling and begin to pass legalization bills through the state legislature. So that's our goal for this next year would be to uh, to win a couple of states legislatively. And then uh, obviously by 2018, we'd like to win a couple of three more states on voter initiatives. Keith Strop recently published a book on the history of normal called It's Normal to Smoke Pot, the 40-Year Fight for Marijuana Smokers' Rights, and he can be found at normal.org. Keith, thank you so much for being on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. More importantly, thanks for your lifetime of groundbreaking advocacy and dedication to the cannabis plant. Hempy trails to you, my brother, and I hope we'll see you at Hemp Fest. I look forward to it every year, Vivian. Thank you for having me on, friend. All right. Be well, my brother. You too. Now I want to get to a weekly feature here on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is, and I quote, I'd say regulating marijuana, it's bad. Medical marijuana is another thing, but I think it's bad, and I feel strongly about that. If they vote for it, they vote for it. But I think medical marijuana, 100%. That's what President-elect Donald J. Trump was saying on June 23, 2015. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank my man in control room, Brasco, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hemposapien on a journey to justice because 
When it comes to prohibition, you got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy, and don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Google Stickerbush, Take Back the Plant to hear the song in its entirety. Turn up the music, maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.